0: Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. If you have a Bible, and you could go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 with me. If not, I'll have some of these verses uh, up on here. And um, I'm going to minister this morning on getting your vim back. And I, That's a very careful word that I that I chose. I love language. I love words. I love to, I play with words. I study words because the whole New Testament uh, message is is contained in words. And so the very hope and the very faith and the very the very uh, God that we served is is word. You know, He said, "I um, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory." And so I know vim is not like a commonly used word in our, in our culture. In fact, it's amazing in a culture of ours with an English language, you know, which has thousands and thousands of words, the average person only uses about 700 words. And you men only use about 400. And, uh, and, 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 and you know, it's funny how men and women are different in that regard, isn't it? You know, women go, how your day? And a guy comes home and goes, Yeah, good. You know, and you ask a woman how her day is, be, be ready to have like 20 minutes. Because she's going to use a lot of words to describe her day. And that's part of the difference that men are men a are f- few words and women, well, anyway. So um, I don't want to go there. I, I don't want to get the women mad at me. I love, I love you women. Um, and I'm, my reason I brought that out is I'd like you men to talk more. And maybe you women should talk. Anyway, let's go right ahead here. Um, so, so anyway, I, got, I should not turn my back on her. I know that. I know better than that. So um, them, though, is a word I want to I define it for you as we get... Uh, started here, it's, 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 it, this is right out of the dictionary, uh, Webster's Dictionary. The word vim means robust energy and enthusiasm. Robust energy, robust energy, robust energy. <laughs> and y'all are looking at me like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, and the word enthusiasm comes Comes from a, a, a the root word that uh, the word for it's like God working because the word enthusiasm, which you know, don't don't we don't y'all love enthusiasm? Yes. I mean, don't you like to be around people who are enthused? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of gets boring around you know somebody who's who's not enthusiastic, and if they're you know the, it's hard to get into something if there's no enthusiasm about it. You know, that's the thing, too, is like you may not even know really what's going on, but if you're surrounded by a bunch of people who are enthusiastic, you'll kind of get swept up in their enthusiasm, even though you may not have a clue. <clears throat> so anyway, the word enthusiasm comes, the word, root word there is theos, it's actually theos or theos, which is God, and it's uh, God in you working. That's where the word enthusiasm really has its beginning. It would, God in you working. And when God's in you working, you should be enthusiastic. And if you're <laughs> so <laughs> y'all got to do better than that. Come on now. And so and, and so Vim, and this is why we're talking about getting your Vim back. Because, because if you're if you're in life, there, life has a way of just sucking the Vim out of you, the energy and the enthusiasm. It just has a way of of hurting you and, and bringing you down and people can bring you down. People and, and their, their stuff, they want to like lay it on you. You ever notice that? Yeah. You're like in a great mood and you walk up to somebody and the next thing you know is like, you feel like you want to hang yourself. And <laughs> Randy, amen. Now don't. Careful how you amen this, you got to do it, you have to do it at the right time and the right parts, or the person you're sitting next to is going to slug you. And I give them permission if that'll give you more energy and more enthusiasm. So the word them, though, is the idea of, of, of an energetic, enthusiastic person. And I think as believers, we should be energetic and enthusiastic. I think, I think we should do, the Bible says whatsoever you do, do heartily. The word heartily means do it with enthusiasm, do it with all your heart. You should not worship half-hearted. You should not, you should not pray half-hearted. You should not love half-hearted. You shouldn't do, I don't do, I don't even eat half-hearted, hallelujah. I do everything. That's, my wife's always like, Whoa, whoa! Well, I mean, I can't. I seem like I seem to like go to extremes on everything. Come on, <laughs> yeah, she's she's still mad at me from the weekend. Anyway, I can't help it. I've just got this. I just get carried away. I get I get carried away. But now there isn't such a thing as losing your vim because. I know how this works too. And we're gonna look at a guy, we're gonna look at a guy who had a great Vim and then was losing it. And then another guy wrote him a letter and encouraged him to get it back and showed him what to do with it. And then I wanna share that with you this morning. And then I wanna pray for you because last week I commissioned you, and then this week I'm thinking, man, I commissioned a lot of people who need a real they Talk about a battery, they need a battery. Y'all need a jump or something. And so I wanna, I wanna put the jumper cables on you today because I know that many of you sitting here It's not about that you're not called because you know you're called. How many of you have had prophetic words spoken over you about callings and giftings in your life? Raise your hand real tall. Look, it's all, everybody in this room, you've had prophetic utterances, you've had the inner witness of your spirit that you've been called to things, and yet how many of you too, raise your hands and be honest, know that it's hard to walk out that calling when you lose your energy and your enthusiasm. It's really, and we're going to look at that and why that happens and how you can fight against it and why it's important to recognize it and then what you do to call yourself out of it. I Notice what I said, you call yourself out of it. And so we're going to look at that this morning and we're going to read now from 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. Okay, so here's who wrote the letter of, who wrote the letter of Timothy. Paul, can I tell you a little background on 2 Timothy, this was the last letter that Paul wrote before he was taken out and martyred. Remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about how Jesus, his last week, was very careful about everything he said and everything was measured and very, uh, very pointed and intentional because he, was, he knew his time was short, and, and here's Paul who writes a letter to Timothy, the second letter... And this is the last letter he will write from a Roman prison before he's taken out and has his head cut off by, by uh, Nero, who had, who had gone mad. And, and so I just set that into context. And so think about, think about this. And in, the, in, in 2 Timothy, Paul's writing this letter to who? Timothy, who's a much younger man than Paul. He even calls him, uh, let no man despise thy youth, because that's what people tend to do. You know, people, if they don't like you or want to discount you, they go, oh, you're young. What do you know? The only trouble with that is some of these young people are a lot more wiser than even we are. So don't despise somebody's youth. The word, <laughs> Anyway, I don't want to get stuck there, but, but listen to me. Here's Timothy, and evidently some people were holding his youth against him in the church. Oh, Pastor Mike, that church would never do that. Oh, no, it would never do that. Uh, where have you been? And so Paul writes to him. And now, this is Paul writing to a young Timothy. You know, people say, well, how, how young was he? Well, let me just tell you, too, in this culture... You weren't considered, you weren't considered wise and experienced until you were in your forties. So Timothy was somewhere under forty. And Paul was in his sixties when he wrote this letter about to die. And so, listen to what he says. I'm writing I, I, I man, I, when I read this, my heart just gets moved because I think about this seasoned man of God writing his son. Because that's how he saw Timothy. He saw Timothy as, as a spiritual son. You're no longer a slave but a son. And Paul loved Timothy. Paul Paul was, uh, Paul was just a uh, Timothy held a special place in Paul's heart. I'm writing to encourage you. I'm writing to encourage you. I'm writing to encourage you. I'm here today to encourage you. Encourage, to put courage in you. Why? Because evidently, why would you encourage somebody? Let's just get real about it. Why would you encourage somebody because they're discouraged? See, here's the deal. Paul wrote 2nd Timothy after Timothy wrote Paul. And Paul wrote to encourage him because actually Timothy wrote Paul two letters. And Paul wrote Timothy two letters back. Now I'm gonna give you something here. So these these are very short books. I think first, uh, first Timothy, I think, is four chapters, and Second Timothy is six chapters. So you can read these in a few minutes. I, I would hope today you you'll get these, but I want to put you in, in mind of how these letters came about. In the, in the first letter, Timothy writes. Paul and he says, Paul, I need some help. The church is growing and, and it's getting so big I can't handle it. And I, you know, Paul left Timothy in charge of the church and said, here, you preach and uh, be instant in season. You Read it. He, he, he says, preach the word, rebuke, exhort, do all. And, and Timothy's preaching and the gospel's going forth and they're discipling and people are getting saved and Timothy writes Paul and says, Paul, the church is growing and I, I, it's, it's, I feel like it's getting out of control and there's no order. And, and so when you read 1 Timothy, Paul gives Timothy a lot of instruction on the order of the church. It's where he talks about elders and bishops and and, and uh, uh, deacons and the qualifications and he talks about all these different things because the church is exploding and Timothy needs help on how to organize and 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 also there were some any time how many of you know any time there's growth the devil don't like it and so people crept in and they were teaching some things that were contrary to to the gospel and Paul said Timothy you got to you got to be strong and st- and rebuke those who are preaching error and be careful because you can't let error come in and, and, and the ex- exhortation is to hold fast to sound doctrine. That's why I believe t- preaching will never go out of style. Now, my style might go out of style. There's not many, you, you know, you know the difference between a preacher and a teacher, right? A teacher tells it, a preacher yells it. That's the only difference. A teacher tells it, a preacher yells it. But there will always be a place for preaching because that's how you establish sound doctrine. Everybody say, sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. And I know the church has drifted away from this because you know a lot of people think, well, I've been around, I know all the doctrine, and yet we don't even know some of the fundamental principles because some of you don't even know what it means to really repent. Anyway, that's another message. So here we go. <laughs> uh, many times I stir up more devils than I can really control. So here we go. You know, seriously, it's like people go. Oh, you know, people go. Oh, I don't need no doctrine. What do you mean? You don't need no teaching. The mo- here's the thing. The moment you say you don't need any teaching, you've been deceived. Oh, but bumhazard, Mike, I can't be deceived. So, first letter, Timothy says, the church is exploding. I need help, Paul. Paul sends back this letter, helps him establish, set things in parameters and things of growth, things of order in the church, because God is a God of order. Say amen. Amen. People say, well, you know, we got everything in order here. You know, we get things to such extremes. Let me tell you where everything's in order at the cemetery right up the street here. People say, well, if it was God, it would be perfectly in order. <laughs> the only place you're gonna find where people aren't protesting, people aren't acting out, people aren't showing out is if you go to the cemetery, because they're all dead, D-E-D, dead. <laughs> but anywhere God's moving, you're gonna have, you're gonna have challenges, there's wherever you have opportunity, you know, there was all that going on. So Paul was just putting some order to it, but Paul was never trying to put so much structure on it that he, that he killed it. Because how many of you know today the, tr- the, the challenge is balance? Because the, the trouble in church today is that we seem to go to one of two extremes. Either there's so much structure, there's no life, or there's so much life. <laughs> that it's no structure, and it's confusion. And here I am as a pastor, I'm saying, God, I want life, I want life, but God, you're not the author of confusion. And sometimes they clash. And sometimes you have to sit people down and say, hey, wait. So that was the purpose of Timothy's second letter, because something changed in the culture after Timothy puts things to work and the church is getting, getting growing and moving along, all of a sudden the, the political and the religious and the, it goes crazy and there's demonic forces at work because Nero actually was de- demonically possessed as a leader. You, you cannot read history if you, if you, when you read, I mean, this is in the history books. He was a man who was driven by demons. And you can see it in how he, how he came up with ways to kill Christians. Because something shifted. Now get this. All of a sudden in Rome, where Rome was very tolerant and allowed almost anything, now all of a sudden see, uh, uh, Nero says, I'm not gonna let these Christians claim Jesus to be Lord and challenge me because I am the true Lord. He thought of himself as God. He he wanted to be worshipped as God. And here's what he did. He, wanted, he went to the proconsul of of Rome and of, of, of the of the of the civilization, and he said, I want to tear every building down in this in this 12 provinces, and I want to rebuild them with my statue and my my si- uh, 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 what do you call it, my likeness in the middle of every building on every wall. I mean, you know, that's kind of crazy. We might call that guy a little narcissist. And so, and the, uh, Rome said, you can't do that. You can't tear down every building. I mean, we're talking about coliseums and buildings, and they, he wanted to tear them all down and redo them with his, with his likeness on them. Talk about a man's obsessed and possessed so you know what he did when they said no he called his little clan together and he gave them all fire and torches and fuel and sent them into all over the provinces and you know what they did they set Rome on fire then you know what he did he blamed the Christians for it because after all it's these Christians they meet in little secret groups and these Christians are crazy. They had—they're cannibals. Do you know the Christians are cannibals? Because they have this little thing, and it's called communion, and they eat the flesh and drink the blood of of someone. Do you know these Christians? They—they—they're—they're. They're, I think they are. I think they're practicing all kinds of weird things because they have these they have these things that where they come together and and they just love on each other and they call them love feasts and 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 Nero used all and they meet in secret and and they and they and they hide what they're doing and and you know but that's not true but you see that's the lies being told about Christians you know there's a lot of lies being told today about us how we're the most intolerant racist bigoted homophobic people on the planet That's bull. Excuse my French. We are not intolerant. Because you have standards or you have a belief system does not make you an intolerant person. But anyway, these lies were being told. And and then Nero broke out with mass persecution on the church. Mass persecution. He cleaned out this garden around his palace. He had this beautiful landscaped garden in his palace. And I'm talking from this is from natural history. I'm not talking about this is in the Bible. This is from the history books. It's 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 verified and written in history books, like a, you know like the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. You should you know that books about this thick and and but it, it's amazing because there's so many similarities between Rome and where we are today. But anyway, they t- he tore out these gardens, beautiful landscape gardens, and he had them plant the whole garden full of poles. And he put a vat in the middle of the garden and they filled it with tar. And they would dip Christians in that tar, tie them to those poles, and they would light them on fire. He created a slide, not a water slide, it was a, sl- a slide in the form of a, of a sword. And they would walk the Christians to the top of this slide and they would force them down. And by the time they got halfway down, the, the, the edge that they were sliding on cut them in half. One of the Roman catacombs, it's, it's historically factual. When they found it and uncovered it, there were the bones of 350,000 Christians buried in this catacomb, most of whom had been eaten by lions. Are you with me? Nero was responsible for killing most of the disciples. Mass persecution broke out and tens of thousands of believers are being killed. And here's what happens in Timothy's second letter. He says, hey, Paul, I got a problem. My people are defecting, and they're going. They're renouncing their faith because before they'd bring you in, they would stand you and say, "If you'll renounce your faith, you can go." And all you had to do was say, "I renounce Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, and I bow to I bow to Nero, and I say he is my Lord and Savior, and you were free to go." This is the kind of stuff was going on in the church, so naturally there were people who were defecting. Even some of Paul's leaders defected and fell back. I mean, this is this is this is persecution. This is when this. It, it, here's what was cool too. I read this story. Man, I, I almost. This made me shout right here. You know, they said that when when uh, when uh, they put the Christians burning at the stake. Nero did it, and he would step out on his balcony because he wanted to hear hear the Christians cry and scream. But they said, this historian said when they strapped these Christians to these poles and lit them on fire, he said it's the strangest thing what you would hear is you'd hear them singing antiphonally. You know, it's like how you heard it like where it goes, The Lord is good and mighty to be praised. And then somebody repeats it and says, for the mercy of the Lord lasts forever. Then he said, you would hear people praying in unknown languages. So flames are lighting this garden. And what you're hearing is people praying in other tongues and praising God. And then you had believers who were renouncing their faith and leaving, and leaving Timothy and running away and and renouncing the faith and Timothy was taking it personal, and then Timothy was really just. Dis- How many of you know it doesn't matter the reasons or whatever, but when somebody when somebody leaves, when somebody goes the other direction, when somebody when somebody departs, it it hurts, and you get troubled as a as a. As a pastor, I've seen that, you know, most of the people, too, they go, you know, I feel like the Lord's leading me somewhere. Well, I don't know if it's the Lord, but I bless people. I've learned just to bless people. Just bless them. I'm not going to get into it. I have to, I have to bless them because I can't, I can't, see, I can't allow myself to get so discouraged over what, what might be going on out there that I got to make sure I cultivate the right thing in here. I'm, I'm trying to tell you all something because when you see things going against you or you see yourself getting weighed down under circumstances or situations and the devil's trying to zap your your enthusiasm and steal your energy and you lose your, you just lose your zeal. You have to keep, you have to make sure you cultivate the right stuff internally because what you cultivate will dominate. That's good preaching right there, Pastor Mike. Yeah. I feel like I should have yelled that. What you cultivate will dominate. <laughs> Did you feel that? <laughs> no, you scared me. That's <laughs> I said, a little kid walked out of here, well, not too long ago, and he looked at me like the whole way like, like, I, like I was from outer space. I think I scared him. Anyway. Please don't let me scare you. But here's the thing. Put yourself in Timothy's place. Even some of his elders and some of his uh, uh, deacons and the ones who he had raised up were, were leaving the faith. There was even his own threat because they could have arrested him at any time. And he might be the next one tied to the stake or thrown to the lions or run down a slide. So he's he's in fear of his own life. So Paul says, Timothy, I'm writing to encourage you. Why? Because what happened, now look at what he says. To fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands on you. See, I'm sure it was a quite a meeting when Paul laid his hands on, on Timothy, and I'm sure Timothy sensed the power, the anointing, and, and Timothy operated in it and saw God testify to it as he brought people and established a church and the church was growing the church was making an impact on the city and lives were being changed and people were being transformed and but all of a sudden things took a turn and 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 timothy is troubled and and he's he's i'm telling you can i let you in on a little secret too timothy was scared he said pastor mike how can you say that why would paul say timothy god isn't giving you a spirit of fear why would Paul waste his time if that wasn't an issue for Timothy? Paul was saying, hey, Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Now I know some of us as believers, you know, we're like, well, I don't have any fear. Yeah, well, you're not in his shoes. But what will you do when that day comes? What would you do if everybody in your family walked away from you? Told you well you're 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 a part of something that's not even real What would you do when your family says we I think you're crazy? Hard to argue that What would you do when when your work says you can't say that here, you're fired? What will you do when they come after you and say, "You can't preach that"? And the spirit of fear has come come on him, or trying to come on him. And then all of the, think about it. And then here is the thing too. So let me just throw another one in on you. Timothy had some physical ailments too. Yeah, I remember where Paul tells Timothy he says. From now on, Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. Now, people take this and they get all stupid with it. Yeah, I said stupid. So, you know, and, and, and they use it to try to justify stupidity. But here's the thing. Timothy had, had some ailments. And here's, what, here's how it's actually worded in the, in, the, in the book of Timothy. He said, use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your often infirmities. I hate to disappoint y'all but I'm I'm on a little medication for some heart issues. If that if, if Timothy drinking a little wine for to calm his stomach down disqualified him, then don't come to me like well you you can't, you know, he shouldn't have been doing that and then you're on I don't believe we should be taking medicine. Well, I I believe if it'll help you, take it. I'm on kind of blood thinner. I'm on something to keep my heart calm. That's a joke, isn't it? (laughs) I was wearing a monitor for two weeks last uh, last week. Y'all didn't even know it. I had it wore it for two weeks. And I went to the, when I went to the doctor. I said, "Did you did you notice anything funny about that heart monitor?" Yeah, she said, "There's times that monitor was just like off the charts." You was you like running? I go. <laughs> I'm like, Doctor, I haven't run since my wife grabbed a frying pan for. And they, they go, whoa, 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 what, what, what is that? I go, I preach. I said, you'll you notice whenever I'm preaching, my heart is like thumping. Oh, that's what that is. You know, I said, well, it's good. For, I'm telling you that because I don't want you thinking that I'm having an episode because what I'm doing is I'm moving and preaching and I'm excited and I don't care. And I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I, Timothy had some issues. The weight of everything on his shoulders. He was a, this young pastor. His church is a, under persecution. He's under threat. He's under physical duress. He, he's under mental duress. Because how many of you know when all this starts going on in your life, you start getting some thinking like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? I'm just letting you into the mind of a pastor because that's what, you know, you you can be doing everything right, but things don't seem to be stacking up the way that you expected. And All of a sudden, you start feeling like there's something wrong with you. And then the devil comes and says, yeah, you're right. You know what you should do? You should quit. You should just quit. All your troubles would be over if you get out from under that. You see, what he's trying to do here, so so you see, get this, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame. So what the devil's trying to do, listen to me, church, what the devil's trying to do to all of you, you raised your hand, yes, I have callings, I have giftings, I have things God has birthed into me, and I know what it is, that when it's a burning and it's alive in me, but the devil, what is the devil's job? To, To burn you out. Hello. He tries to get the fire to die in you. He tries to pull you away from other believers. You know, because look at if you look at this picture, I use this picture. Here's a good picture. This is a this is the embers. You see the embers. There's no flame here. There's no flame. There's only some red hot heat because. The fuel is running low, the, the, the wood's almost all been consumed, and what's happening now is that, that the, the embers are, are just burning, and the, the problem, you say, well, how does that happen? Paul told us how it happens. He said, Timothy, don't neglect the gift that's in you. The word neglect means to ignore or not to pay attention to. You do not have to walk away from it. You don't have to you don't have to put water on it. All you have to do is not pay any attention to it. And what happens? The glow gets dimmer and the hot gets cooler and the and the fire starts slowly dying and and you lose that flame. And all you have is some heat. And let's go back here, and you see it says, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame. You ever had a campfire? Yeah, I many of you ever went to a campfire and you burned this, I love campfires. I, I used to, we used to go camping. I, I loved to sit around the fire at night and I'd build this fire. It was like an art to me. It was, you know, just how you built it and then to watch the flames dance, to watch the flames perform. I loved that and I loved it and then it would get late into the night. I didn't put the fire out. I just said, you know, it's, it's burning down. It'll be safe. It was in a fire ring and we just would go to bed and, and, and then it slowly, the fire would die and the, and the thing would just go down and we would get up in the morning and I would come out in the morning and I would take a stick and I would start stirring it and I would add some fresh fu- fuel to it. I didn't have to spark a match. I didn't have to put gasoline on it. I didn't have to do anything but stir it up and as I stirred it up and put some kindling on it all of a sudden that red ember burst back into a flame and without even much effort that f- fire that was in there came back to life and that's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Some of you sitting here this morning, you have been called by God, ordained by God, commissioned by God. You have had prophetic promises given to you and you've let the enemy blow your fire almost out and I'm here today to tell you stir up the gift that is in you. Let the oxygen of the Holy Spirit begin to blow into you and that flame will burst back to life, and you will find the energy, the enthusiasm, the power, the glory that you need in Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Terry, I think I need some heart medicine. Just kidding. If that should happen, I expect y'all to stand, and shout, sing, and here's the song I want you to sing. Ain't no grave gonna hold this body down. It ain't no grave gonna hold this body down. <laughs> oh I just want you to keep having sure. Just push me over to the side. Heck yeah. Don't stop! Come on, church. So I'm this, I'm this, I'm, I'm, like this Paul to Timothy. I'm this Paul to you, and I'm not trying to equal. There's no way I'm equal to Paul, but I'm just saying I'm the old guy who's been there. I've been burning for a long time. You know, here's the thing, church. Can I just tell you something? The number one thing Satan wants to do to put your fire out is pull you away from the people who you need to be around who will keep you burning. And so what the devil does is he pulls you off into isolation or he gets you around the wrong people, the people whose fire is already dead and gone out. And it's really hard for you to get burning back again when you're hanging around people who are like a wet blanket. You need to get rid of the wet blankets in your life and you need to get around people who are on fire for God. You need to surround yourself with people who will burn. And when you get close to somebody who's on fire, you will burn alongside of them. I watched this happen with Kimberly like a, a year ago. Man, when she was up here this morning, I thought, I remember when Kimberly I hope she don't forgive me. I'm not, try, I'm not trying to embarrass her because I I'm so impressed with what God's done in her life. I mean, she was at the end. Let me think about it. She's been a single mom. Those two girls on the left and the right are her daughters that she's raised as a single mom through all kinds of challenges. Because you know how daughters are. And anyway, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. And, And and you deserve every bit of that for the way you've treated your mama. And so. I remember when Kim was like, I remember when the fire was almost out and Kim was like, Pastor Mike, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And, and, all, and you know, if you back up into Timothy where Paul says, you, if you start actually in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you. And he says, I have never ceased to pray for you because that's what we do. You know, I, 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 I don't know what else to do, Many times I just put my face in the carpet and I cry out to God because I know the giftings and the callings that are in you. And I know what God's trying to do for you and with you. And I know the opposition. I know life can be, life can just suck sometimes. Life has a way of throwing things at you that will try to diminish, destroy, and distract you. You go through certain things, losses come. You didn't see that coming. You you go, uh, Laura lost her sister. Laura's I've never seen anybody more anointed and appointed of God to minister to women who've been through drug addiction and being locked up. This woman has a powerful story. And the devil's done nothing but try to stop you and shut you up. And it's time for you to fan to a flame the thing that God has done in you. And he's going to bring it out of you. And it's going to be the resurrection of many because that's why God has called us. And when you get your eyes off of yourself and you start looking to Jesus and you start getting on fire, nothing can stop you. No one can stop you. Anyway, let me get back to this lady. This lady was at their wit's end and it looked like she was, and I'm always the one, I'm like, Kim, if you need to take a break, you take a break because I, 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 you're more important to me than what you do for, for me. And, and it's, that's just my, that's how I am. That's what I, that's what I do. It's what I tell people. It's not like, oh, you can't do that. You got to stay in here. You got to stay. I just went to pray and we went to pray. and I don't take any credit for this, but something happened in this woman. Something woke up and burst back into a... This woman's been to Bible school. She went through a a a terrible breakup in her marriage. Her husband was a worship leader. Am I talking too much? It's just out there. It's a fact. And then something fanned to a flame inside of her. And I watched her, and she came back to me, and she said, Pastor Mike, something's going on in me, and I just want to do, I just feel like I need to do more, and I really want to work with the women, and I really feel like God wants to do something with our women here, and I said, have at it, Kim, go for it, I'm with you, and I just saw God burn in her, and what you saw up here this morning is the result of someone whose embers were dying, embers were burning out, and I'm telling you, Kim, what God, God is about to enlarge your t- stakes and throw out your thing and, and, and he's going to give you a bigger platform from which to minister. I love Phyllis Shire, but, he, but but people are going to come to hear what you have to say and you need to say it and say it with all the fire and unapologetic joy and victory that you can muster up because God is not finished yet. And this is no plug for the women's breakfast next week but you should come you should come because when you need to get around if your fire is burning low don't sit there and commiserate why why things are going so bad or how things are not working out for you get around somebody who's on fire get around somebody who's burning and let them set you on fire I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. You see, I want you to fan into flame, rekindle the fire of the gift God already imparted to you. That's what he's. Well, oh, I need some new gift. What you need is to walk in what you've been given. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Some of you've been fighting things, been fighting things emotionally, internally. Man, Lori, I sat in that room last Sunday night, and I watched what God's doing with Lori, and and I heard uh, Nick was in that room, a bunch of people, and I thought, man, these look out. Look out, when God brings to fruition that thing that he is birthing in you, multitudes will be set free. Multitudes are going to walk out of addiction. Multitudes are going to walk out of habits. Multitudes are going are to find complete and total freedom where the chains that have held them and they, they have not been able to break are going to fall right off of them and they're going to go, I don't know what happened, but I'm not, I'm free. Because that anointing on you is a break a breaker anointing, and God's using you to break that off of people's lives. I didn't give her that gift, but see I'm here to call it out to fan it to a flame. You know you have to get the healing. did you know that? no I'm talking to her. You know you have to get the healing in your life you've been through some physical You've been through some physical challenges, haven't you? You know, why the, you know why the devil's always attacking you in the realm of the physical? Because he knows the gift that God's put in you and trying to stop you and shut you up. And I'm telling you, wherever you find Satan opposing you, you know that you have found the secret vein where God is trying to put into you something that will transform and change people's lives. And I call that gift of healing out of you. And I call the boldness out of you to put your hands on people and call forth healing in the name of Jesus. I'm on a roll here today. Glory to God. Church, I've seen what it's like when whole churches lose their fire. And they just go to church. I've been there. I've been been pastors of those kind of churches. And we just came up and we sang Standing on the Promises. Actually, we should have been singing Sitting on the Premises. (laughs) And we sang songs like, instead of, I exalt thee it was I'm exhausted (laughs) I've been in those churches where people lose the fire they lose the flame then they get fussed and fighting among one another did you ever notice how fire keeps things away shout amen somebody you know if you're out in the wild somewhere and you're afraid of beasts, can I tell you what you should do? Build a big fire. Because they're a, they may not be afraid, of, they may eat you, <laughs> but they do not like fire. I've watched God with his vim flame into people's lives. I've even seen him flame into marriages. Dolly, you're a miracle. This marriage was like toast. And now Bob's calling. Bob had to go back to Florida the other day. Can you get back down here? That's not what he was doing a while back. And she wasn't wanting to go down there. Because the fire of God will put things in order. But you know, when the fire dies, you'll start like thinking all kinds of crazy things. I don't need him. I don't need her. I don't need that. I don't need this. I don't need you. I don't need this church. I don't need this covering. I don't need any of this. And you start thinking It's crazy things. And all of a sudden, you start cultivating these thoughts like nobody cares. Nobody really cares about you. Nobody really even thinks about you. What difference does it make? Why are you even trying? And the flame just gets dimmer and colder and buried. Jesus warned in Matthew 24, one of the greatest signs of the end times was that the love of many would wax cold. The word means become cool by blowing. Satan's blowing on the embers, trying to cool them down, cool them down. The Holy Ghost has got bellows and he's trying to put oxygen in. Burn, burn baby, burn. So you got God voting for you, the devil's trying to kill you, destroy you. It's how you vote that carries the election. Can I, I, gotta, I feel like I need to go another part of this. But we're going to pray. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. You see the three things you get when this thing's burning in you? Grace, mercy, and peace. And if you don't have grace mercy, and peace, then your fires, low, are almost out. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.